Men rising up to end the silence around us about the chains that bind us, to dispel the darkness of illusion with luminous spiritual technologies, to finally become the hero within us all. This is Arise, the Honest Man's podcast. I am Karuna Avatar Das. With me is my dear co-host Jai Jagannath Prabhu. And we have a most esteemed guest with us today, the first uh, sannyasi in the bhakti yoga tradition to actually join us on our podcast. We are so immensely honored to have you with us, dear Sachinandana Swami Maharaj. It's, uh, it's, really, it's really just such an epic honor, in fact. Um, so yes, Sachinandana Maharaj is here to discuss the topic of prayer. Uh, before we get into the subject matter, though, I would, like to just, um, I would like to just give a bit of an introduction for Maharaj. If anyone here has not, uh, has not been so fortunate to come across him before. <laughs> <laughs> so Sachinandana Swami is a monk, as I've mentioned, in the bhakti tradition, the yoga of love. He's known for his significant contribution to the practice of meditation and kirtan. Dedicated to the process of inner transformation, he has spent 50 years in pursuit of genuine spiritual experiences. With messages full of bhakti, humor, and energy, he reaches thousands while at the same time teaching each and every individual person. In his own words, I like to inspire others to come in touch with the divine so that they can live and act from the place of unlimited blissful being. Sachinandana Swami also co-founded the Braj Care Charity in India, and he has been integral in building two spiritual communities in Germany. Uh, he also teaches at the Vrindavan Institute for Higher Education in India and the Bhaktivedanta College in Belgium. He has published several books dozens of articles and gives retreats all year round in Europe, North America and India. Certainly a just, I, I'm just so deeply honored. Thank you so much, Maharaj, for joining us. Um, today's topic, Jai Jagannath Prabhu, entitled in a, in a, in a very interesting way, <laughs> words without heart. Do my prayers really make a difference? Because this, this uh, particular a spiritual process of prayer is something which is so integral and so essential um, when cultivating devotion to God. But we we sense, we've had some experience, and we also sense that there is a broader experience of uh, devotees and spiritual practitioners feeling somewhat disconnected from this process of prayer. And so that's what we're here to explore today. And uh, we have certainly the most expert personality to guide us in, in, in the delineation of this, of this subject matter. So I will stop speaking for now and uh, hand over to my dear co-host Jai Jagannath. Thank you so much, um, Kronavatar Prabhu. I hope that wasn't too much for you, Marsh, <laughs> the introduction. <laughs> he talks so nicely. I mean, so <laughs> kindly and so... Uh, Thought-provoking. Thank you. Very nicely spoken. Um, Marish, I'd like to start with kind of my own experience with being disconnected with prayer and why I chose the title um, Words Without Heart. Um, 
as as we were mentioning in our pre-conversation before the podcast started, the purpose of our podcast is to talk about um, difficult issues <clears throat> that practitioners encounter, but especially male practitioners encounter in the intersection between our ideal and our reality. And our ideal being our desires for pure devotional love to God and our reality being our human condition, human frailty. And there are a lot of issues that come up around there that um, don't get spoken about. So we wanna have honest conversations around those things. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things that come a lot of the things that come up in our conversations deal with like applying this tool so you can be a better man, applying that tool and this technique and that technique and, and thinking about different ways that we can show up to the world in integrity. One thing that could easily get overlooked and I think in a lot of ways does get overlooked when discussing these human condition is like something like prayer, like taking shelter of Krishna because we've been hearing that so much as practitioners that it's just like a platitude at this point. And it doesn't speak to us in a very deep way. And so one of the experiences I'm gonna share with me that made me realize that my connection with prayer is not very profound is going to churches. I like to church hop when I'm in America um, because frankly speaking in temples, you don't get that much silence. <laughs> So, you know, I like to go to like Catholic churches, particularly in America. And one thing that I would see, you know, I think, well, anyway, one thing that I would see are people like offering prayers to God and they seem like very sincere. And as a devotee with the training in Sambanda and Abhideya and Prayojan, it's easy to just like write these people off. Like they don't know anything. They're ignorant. What value is their prayer? But as I'm chanting Japa, you know, inattentively in the church, looking at them offering prayers, I couldn't help but kind of notice a un uncomfortable contrast with the sort of kind of like intentional prayer making that this person that I want to consider as ignorant is actually doing to God versus my like rote chanting, you know, with all this knowledge, but not very attentive. It's like, it's like words without heart, just the syllables coming out, but there's no heart there. That's why I came up with the title. And so this contrast made me realize like, okay, th there's something I'm missing. Even though I have the knowledge of the science of Krishna consciousness, um, still somehow I'm disconnected in, in a, a sort of deeper shelter taking spirit that this so-called ignorant person in the church seems to have that I don't have, even though they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the faculties and so on. I don't know if you, I, I guess I'm gonna start there and is my experience something you maybe observed or had devotees come to you before? Maybe yourself have experienced over the course of your development in Christian consciousness. I kind of want to start from there. That's kind of the most honest, vulnerable space I could open this topic up with. Thank you for diving right into the problem of uh, uh, which you have to confront in spiritual life, that you do things uh, mechanically, which you have heard are good and which are supposed to be good in the community in which you practice, but you are not really there. Therefore, in prayer and in chanting, maybe in all activities of bhakti, the first and foremost rule is only this one, 
Make sure that the real you is praying. Make sure that it's the real you who's chanting. Make sure that's the real you who takes up a, a cloth and wipes the temple room, uh, not the false you. Mm. Uh, long ago, I uh, preached to a person who was a theater star, uh, and uh, once he invited me to come to the theater where there was some, some murder drama on the stage. And uh, I came in and sat there and saw my friend acting as the detective who would go and find the, 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 uh, his way through all the situations until finally he uh, had the murder. So it was quite entertaining. Uh, then he had told me, when I'm finished with this, uh, let us meet at the backstage entry to the theater. So uh, after the last applause, I made my way out of the theater, went around and waited at the uh, backstage entry. And then he came. He was no longer dressed as a detective. He was no longer excited. He said, oh, we really have to talk about this. I have a problem with my daughter. She is somehow making a distance to me. And, uh, <laughs> and I could see he is the real person now, not the all-knowing de detective who would find out uh, all the complications. Uh, but here was the concerned person who was struggling in a very, very, very mm. uh, close relationship. Mm, uh, so mm, in prayer, we leave the stage. We leave uh, the world behind. We leave the expectations of the community even behind. We enter into a real communication with, uh, with the Lord. And for this, first and foremost, we have to become real. Uh, <laughs> we have to be the person beyond the likes and the face, uh, what is it called, Facebook, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so on. We have to be the person without any masks. Uh, we have to sit down uh, and let the real me uh, uh, operate now. You know, one area where I, I find that complicated as devotees is that we, we, we hear what is the real us. You know, Jivaras Rarupoy Krishnari Nityadas, the real us is an eternal servant of Krishna. And it wasn't until I got booted from the ashram, which is a, a dramatic tale in itself, that I realized that my embrace of the notion that I'm an eternal servant of Krishna is kind of a false ego embrace in the beginning stages because I don't feel myself, I don't feel myself in that constitutional position. I feel myself to be, you know, Jai, a black guy that, that does this thing, and that, that's what I feel myself to be. But I know myself to be this other thing. And so that kind of creates confusion in the head when you want to go to, like, let's say, prayer. So I should show up as the real me. But then when mm. I show up as the real me, what is the real me? Is the real me what I heard 
Is the real me, or is the real me what I feel myself to be in my in the place that I'm standing in my long sojourn towards divinity? Mm. And that's where I find one of the places where I find offering prayer from a realistic place difficult. Because it's like I offer a prayer that's, um, you know, pertains to my conditioning. Well, that's not really the real me. That's what I'm told in philosophy. So that prayer, I should leave that prayer aside. I should offer the prayer that's congruent with the real me as an eternal servant of Krishna. I don't know if you can see where my the confusion comes up. And I think a lot of devotees have this experience when it comes to being authentic with Krishna. I also just want to, I just want to add to that something very briefly, which is that, you know, there's this kind of common tension in, in the devotional society at the moment between you know, there are tensions between conservatives and liberals in many different ways. But but one thing which is commonly said these days is that, you know, you just have to be real. Just be real with yourself. And that can very easily take the shape of, um, you know, using that as a scapegoat to indulge particular anartas that we may have and be like, you know what, like I theoretically somewhere in the back of my mind understand that I'm an eternal servant of Krishna, but actually I just want, you know, this this car and this thing and that thing and that's that is genuinely what I desire. Okay, Krishna, please give me all these things, right? But but the th it's so difficult. This is my experience. It's so difficult. I approach my altar and it's like, I just, I, I have a picture. I have a picture of Radhakund on my altar. You know, Radha Gopinath are like my, the presiding deity picture forms on my altar. And then I go to them and I feel so ridiculous because I do not want love of God right now. You know, how, how how am I supposed to deal with this? It's 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 difficult, Maharaj. It's difficult. Wow, this is just the type of discussion I have been longing for. Such an honest, deep discussion. Thank you so much. I have two things here to say. Mm. Let's first ask the question: What is reality? Mm. I like so much. Uh, here, this the only time I like the my mother language. Uh, <laughs> they say in German, Carl Gustav Jung says, Wirklichkeit is das, was wirkt. Mm. Reality is that which has an effect on you. Mm. Oh. Profound. We are now really operating in the intersection between spirituality and humanity where the two circles come together that is the uh, an overlap that's the area where we at the present moment uh, are at uh, uh, this is what affects us when mm. I get when I eat uh, 20 pizzas in the evening in the morning I will have a pizza mind, you know, and not a very philosophical mind. <laughs> uh, 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 when I am depressed because I'm so disappointed with what just happened to me, I will have to deal with that depression mm -hmm. because it at the moment affects me. Do you get me? It affects yes. me does something. It pushes me. I can't say I'm not pushed by this. I am. I always say to everyone, 
okay, you're a spirited soul. Then don't take anesthesia when you're on the dentist chair. Uh, and, and get drilling. Uh, you need the, uh, the the drilling will affect you very much. It will make you scream. It will make you uh, fight with the dentist if it gets too much, uh, and so on and so forth. And you have to deal with it. It does not help to ignore this uh, part. This is my first uh, comment on on uh, being real. What affects you? That is <laughs> the reality you need to deal with. You can't ignore it. Mm. Uh, the second question is, uh, does acknowledging our humanness mean that we need to push away and forget our spiritual um, things? I don't think so. A few weeks ago, uh, I was asked in a conference with uh, yoga people, a huge conference, how do you show that actually there is a, a spirit, a spirituality in life? And I said, life in itself is a spiritual phenomena. If you would not have been uh, uh, br brought in the time when your father and mother met intimately together, if you would not have been brought as a spiritual soul into the combination of matter, life could not have happened. Mm. It's a mm. spiritual phenomena, life itself. And decreasing, let us say, increasing degrees of awareness will determine how much you live a spiritual life. Mm. Or let us say when you leave the body, or death, death, it means the life force, soul is leaving. It is so clear. This short time which we have between that uh, uh, loving embrace of father and mother in a private situation and then leaving uh, uh, the, this world is an own, is a pure spiritual phenomena. So you need to here negotiate between two things. The mm, uh, uh, humanness that affects you and the spiritual reality, which is the foundation of your very existence. And you need to, to de decide uh, how to navigate with these two realities in your life. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I guess prayer would be one of those navigating tools, like having maybe some regulation of prayerful practice or, and I want to get to that a little bit later, but I wanted to, I want to focus on the things that make it hard for me to pray since like to feel sincerity when praying. And one of the, one of the things that comes up for me a lot is just feeling like a hypocrite. And I don't know if that's, due to just the high ideals of Christian consciousness. I, I, I say this thing a lot that high I, ideals in general are lofty and high, otherwise they wouldn't be ideals. And they can impact us as beacons of light and also as burdens. And a high ideal is definitely a beacon. It kind of acts as an organizing principle for our life so we know where we're going and how we need to adjust our life so we can move towards that ideal. 
But when the ideal is very high, like the ideal of Krishna Prema, for example, it can also act as a very serious burden when you are really dealing with your humanity in a very real way. And so one thing that, I mean, it happens to me, and I suspect this happens to a lot of practitioners, not only in our family, but in all you know, spiritual families. It just felt like a, real, like a hypocrite. And holding that feeling or feeling that viscerally and that making it hard for you to take shelter of tools like prayer, because you just feel too much like a hypocrite. Like I'm living or existing in one way that isn't fully aligned. And that's being nice. It's like kind of way off alignment. Like the alignment is like off. And, and then suddenly I show up to the temple at, let's say, seven o'clock when greeting of the deities is happening. And I stand in front of the deities like, go, oh, Vindo. I mean, it's just like, like really? <laughs> Whereas the, the hypocrisy, the feeling of being a hypocrite makes it hard to feel sheltered in prayer. This is one obstacle that I encounter. And I, I would like to talk about that. Like, before we get into like prayerful practices and all that, these are, I'm talking about the obstacles that prevent us yeah. from doing that. And hypocrisy yeah. is, I think the feeling of hypocrisy is a, a, a one that I imagine a lot of practitioners would struggle with because our ideals are really, really high. I mean, even our ideals of like standard humanity, what to speak of spirituality, just our <laughs> ideal of standard humanity is also super duper high. And, it, it doesn't make it it doesn't make it easy to feel good about your humanity when you're always hearing that and then make it could kind of push you away from taking shelter of prayer I, I i would be interested in your wisdom in response to this sort of dilemma here in europe we have one um, poet um, louis stevenson who uh, wrote about this in his novel Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, it's a very interesting novel. There is this very good uh, doctor. His name is uh, Dr. Jekyll. And he really wants to help humanity. And he finds out not only in other people who are his patients, but that even in his own chest, there's a constant fight going on between the will to be good, but then the most base instincts. Uh, he sometimes observes himself dealing with patients and having the most abstruse and base fantasies coming into his mind. So he, as a doctor, thinks how much we could help humanity. We could just devise a medicine, medicinal drug which upon ingestion separates the bad part so that you would only be good. And he sets up making a varieties of experiments so that finally he's able to find this particular powder which when he takes it, uh, he, he splits into two and this Mr. Hyde uh, le leaves uh, the, the room. He transforms into Mr. Hyde and he is full of hair and he goes to London where the prostitutes are and he lives his instincts out with the prostitutes and then he sneaks in the next morning and becomes the 
only good Dr. Jekyll, only good. There's only, he has split the bad part away and has lets it have his own life. Mm. This goes well until Mr. Hyde, his, his bad self, the hypocrite, <laughs> the insincere devotee, <laughs> the nonsense, <laughs> so to say, goes and does something really bad. He commits a murder. Ooh. And then the, the, the police is after him and they find out it's the same person, uh, Dr. Jekyll, uh, uh, and so on. Unfortunately, my dear Jai Jagannath, Garuna Avatar, and all of you honest men and listeners <laughs> out there, unfortunately, as conditioned souls, we have a Mr. Hyde in us. <laughs> uh, we have to deal with him <laughs> maturely. And uh, the way the, the uh, Vedic scriptures acknowledge this is they have a process whereby which one can frankly and open address that and purify the Mr. Hyde so that he, who is actually a foreign nature to the pure soul, uh, becomes purified uh, by engagement in, in uh, activities um, of bhakti. I have been a very... Uh, I had this dilemma before I came to Krishna consciousness. I was known in the town of where I lived as the devil's violinist. I was <laughs> no. playing a very uh, avant-garde violin and uh, in, uh, in, in program, uh, programs and communities where ex uh, uh, an excess of sensual enjoyment was available. And I had come like this to, to Krishna consciousness because I could see that um, this was also not me. I was not just a person who lived the external life of a, a rich, rich boy who could uh, satisfy all his fantasies. No, that was because there was an emptiness in the heart which longed for purity, which longed um, shell, even things like refuge in a divine being, comforting being, and so on. So, uh, yes, there were these two things. And uh, I celebrated my 50th birthday a month ago. That's 50 years when I'm practicing spiritual life. And uh, we had a, a birthday, uh, birthday occasion of a party, uh, and there were pictures which showed my 50 years, you know, and uh, I saw them. Uh, so I came in, uh, I was blindfolded, and I came in and then had to look, and I looked at the uh, first picture. It showed a young man, I could not look in his... Mm. 
eyes because there was hair all over his uh, front front of the face. Yes. And there were some devotees dancing left and right of him. Um, his, uh, so uh, then I saw other photos and the gallery ended with me sitting under a banyan tree chanting uh, 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 Japa. Uh, and uh, my first, you know, because I had not expected it, there were so many other photos, you know, on a stage with 30,000 people dancing like anything to, to make them also dance to the, to the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Everything was there. But there was this one photo, a group of monks and this person who didn't belong there. He was dressed in black. He had only white uh, sport shoes on. And I asked, who, who's that? I, I, I was uh, not... And they said, well, that's you, 50 years before. And, and you know, the whole vibration of that person, the whole atmosphere of the person was a frustrated, aggressive person calling to attention for his per own person. And I read 50 years where I had engaged my, my, my nature in Krishna service, mm, uh, 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 some purification had happened. There was a newspaper article was also there. The Mick Jagger of the Hare Krishna movement, Sachinandan, Ramachari, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and because I we used to have these huge concerts, and we would sometimes invite. Uh, stars. I remember Boy George with, was with us on tour and and others. And we would try to play. We had guitarists who could play like like Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin and very. These are all names which are now forgotten, I think. But you know, at that time, ooh, uh, and we had, we had so and we engaged that in Krishna's service. And then some purification came, and then you say, well, I do not need this any longer. I think the worst thing you can do is to try to fit yourself in a shoe that is two numbers too small for you. And, and all you will have there is pain. In other words, when you just try to, to fit in the uh, expectation uh, of the community or wherever you are, and not honestly say, well, this is at the moment my intersection here, <laughs> where, where my life takes place. <laughs> How can we, is there possibility to engage that or to purify it? If you don't do this and you always walk ah, with a shoe that is two numbers too small, you will have pain and at the end you will say, ah, who cares? And you will throw the shoe away uh, and, and you don't want this any longer. Mm. I don't think, in other words, that you have to feel like a hypocrite when you 
when you stand before the altar, you have to say, yes, here is one part of me want, trying to connect with you, my Lord, whereas another part, my conditioned nature, is, uh, is doubting <laughs> what I'm doing at the moment. But uh, yes, unfortunately, we are the two, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And in a way, this is not even so unfortunate. It makes for a stage in life where a little tension is there, <laughs> where a little excitement is there, mm -hmm. where a little work has to be invested. Uh, I, I really but, appreciate that. Sorry, Karuna, I'll just jump in and say, um, this is how I'm, I'm hearing that. Despite having a Mr. Hyde, you know, I can come in as Dr. Jekyll before the deity, and I said, come on, Mr. Hyde, you also come. <laughs> you also come, come on. Don't be shy, don't be afraid, you also come. And that allowing the standards of our surroundings, which we may not be able to embody yet to um, prevent us from doing so and end up just losing out on our chance to connect deeper to God and also losing the community because of that. Just really appreciating that. Sorry, Karuna, you wanted to jump in. Well. Firstly, yes, Maharaj, it was, it's just so lovely listening to you, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's so lovely. Um, but something which just occurred to me in relation to what, to what Jai Jagannath Prabhu was asking with this feeling of hypocrisy is what, it, because the thing is, if this, if this feeling of a hypocrite comes up, then, then perhaps what comes into the question is, what is the goal of your prayer? Like, what are you aiming to achieve with your prayer? What do you see your prayer as being? As being, What is the intention that you put into it? What do you bring to Krishna? Because something that was very difficult for me for a long time was just feeling confused about, like, what do I actually bring to Krishna? Because, you know, he knows everything in any way. So... What do I bring to him? Like, like why, would, why would all of my petty feelings and emotions and concerns and difficulties and whatever be worthy of Krishna's time and attention, you know? Why, why would that be the case? And, and, and I, I had this wonderful conversation with a very dear friend of mine, Deva Madhava Prabhu, who's very much behind this, this amazing platform of Bodhika. And I was, I was, oh, I was just laying out my woes so extensively, you know, this and that and this affliction. And he was, he just said to me, do you, do you ever tell these things to Krishna? And I said, you know, I, no, I, 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 I don't. How, how do I, how do I do that? Because I, I didn't know, like, how do I actually go about it? Do I just stand there and be like, just start speaking to Krishna. And he said to me, you know, you just, all you do, you just go to your altar and you just, you just tell these things to Krishna, to the people that are there in the same way that you're telling it to me now, because that is what is real for you. So, you know, this affliction that we have between like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, that experience, the experience of that thing, that tug of war, that struggle. Maharaj, is it okay for us to take that experience and, and, and take that to Krishna as our prayer and be like, Krishna, this is, this is it. Like, 
what should be the goal? Because I'm just going to round it off by asking, you know, we've heard that, you know, Krishna will, will grant any desire, but but better pray for Krishna Bhakti, you know, if like, so pray for Krishna Bhakti. So, so can we just take anything to Krishna? Like, what should be the goal of our of our prayer? Wonderful. We are actually moving now into the subject of prayer. Do you notice we are, our 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 journey brings us to uh, to this uh, directly to prayer. See, prayer in the beginning is a communication. Prayer brings us to a place where we are often denied entry without this tool. Uh, the tool of prayer brings us uh, to a communication and it should be a real communication first of all. Mm. Um, uh, there are th uh, three uh, points in a prayer session uh, where the prayer helps you, it catapults you, it brings you into the presence of the Lord. First, that is always recommended is some praise of the Lord, acknowledging that he's the Lord. He's not just your neighbor around the corner, but he is really in a specific position. Then comes the true uh, at times, even confession. You know what your friend told friend told to you. You have praised him. Now he wants to know. So what? You are here. What is is it that you want? And then you talk about what it is that you want. Mm. And uh, um, uh, 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 th then you close the session. Now, we have always heard that when we approach Krishna, we should uh, try to pray for pure things. Uh, we have heard examples when you uh, that don't pray for what is going on right now. When you go to a king, you don't want a handful of ashes. You want a golden pot, uh, for instance. So we have often heard, don't pray for the things which you feel disturbed now because they will come and go. Pray for the eternal things. Uh, although this may be a high goal of pr prayers, other prayers are also accepted. Let us remember Dhruva Maharaj, a young boy who had been rejected by his a uh, father uh, who had been uh, who had not been allowed to sit on the lap of his father even, and who was all in tears and ran to his uh, real mother uh, and asked for help. And the mother said, "I can't help you. Uh, God only can help you. Oh, where do I find him?" asked uh, Dhruva, and uh, he went to the forest. Um, uh, well, he was told, go to the forest. Saints go there and find him there. Then Dhruva 
met Narada Muni, and Narada Muni had all these high um, instructions. He said, uh, you are so upset. That's not a good way to, go, to, to lead a spiritual life. Go back, you know, home. But he said, no, 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 no. I want my... Uh, my life, uh, I want my desires to be fulfilled. What were his desires? It was revengeful desires. <laughs> he, was, he was really an angry little uh, lad at that time. So, uh, but still, he engaged in the process of, of, you know, chanting the mantra, and finally the Lord appeared to him. And then he was able to say, oh, sorry, I, I asked for, uh, um, what was a bro broken glass? Now you are there, you can, uh, you are able to give the most precious jewel. So Krishna accepted him. He accepted his prayer for bro broken glass. He uh, appeared to him nevertheless. He comforted him. This is in our scriptures, uh, very, very evident. Krishna wants real people. Uh, you don't have to, to say something which is not absolutely yours. Make sure, though, that because it's a communication with God, that you acknowledge him uh, first and, and uh, you know, then do your... Uh, your 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 real prayer. Uh, I will end this section by by reading to you a text um, um, which is amazing. It is the atom bomb text. <laughs> uh, okay. Five nineteen twenty seven. Here. Uh, mm, Yes, this is a, a discovery for all of you who attempt to be super pure while at the same time you are negotiating with your <laughs> human reality. Sadhyam dishadyatitam atitoninam naivatado yatpunar atitayata svayam vidate. Vajatam manichatam icha vidhanam nijapada palavam. The Supreme Personality of Godhead fulfills the material desires of devotees who approaches him with such motives. Yes, he fulfills the material desires of a devotee who approaches him with such motives. But he does not bestow benedictions upon the devotees that will cause him to demand more benedictions again. However, the Lord willingly gives the devotee shelter at his own lotus feet, even though such a person does not aspire for it. And that shelter satisfies all his desires. That is the Supreme Personality's special mercy. In other words, yes, he fulfills the material desires of devotee, um, a devotee who pray, approaches him. I remember all I really want when I was a young boy of 14 years, 
is the dream of every German young boy to get a motorcycle and then go by motorcycle far away. I wanted to go to Afghanistan <laughs> and, uh, and experience adventures. So I remember many, 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 many years afterwards, I was sitting in the desert of Afghanistan. I had uh, gone there to relieve myself of nature's big call. Um, and uh, I was surrounded by a dromedar, a male dromedar, uh, uh, you know, that's like a camel, who was not happy with me for polluting his, uh, his uh, <laughs> area of food, you know. I was on his plate, so to say, <laughs> doing my human business there, and who was extremely angry at me. And I thought, wow, the Supreme Lord has satisfied my desire for adventure. Now I have to use my brain to get out of this situation because he was coming towards me with that purely aggressive intent. He wanted to chastise me severely, bite me, <laughs> or, 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 you know. And, and, and I could see the Lord had fulfilled my desire for adventure. I had gone there with uh, 20 devotees. We had taken a bus overland, uh, which we used later in India for making programs. Prabhupada had uh, requested our leader at that time, to, uh, that we make a village program where we go with the bus from village to village and distribute prasadam and also have kirtan and uh, lecture. And uh, yeah, I found myself in the situation I had prayed for. And uh, now it was a little different. Uh, I was uh, uh, a devotee and I could see, um, yeah, it, it is... Uh, it is uh, tantalizing, but it's not the goal of life to get into such situations. I, I, I came out of the situation. I just took a pile of dust. I threw it into the... I ran towards the drama. Dr Do you know in English this word dromeda? Is there an English? I never heard it. <laughs> I'm sorry. A male camel. Okay. Uh, a, a male camel. So I took dust... And I ran towards it, I threw it into the ice, and then I ran away from his plate. <laughs> this, and, uh, this story, it leads me to a question, and maybe I might share a question that's similar. 5.19.27 is a verse that I've always felt, like at least reading it to me, it sounds ominous, because it's like, yeah, I'll fulfill your desire, but I'm going to do it in such a way. And it's, like, that's how it translates in my head. Yeah, I'll do it, but I'm going to do it in such a way that you're not going to ask again. And it's like, well, that's not very inspirational. <laughs> and um, I also, I've heard this from devotees. I've experienced this also, that I have a certain desire and it doesn't get reciprocated until much later on after I've matured in my awareness to whatever degree I've matured. So, so much so that that desire isn't appealing anymore. So that's like, kind of like, yeah, Christian will fulfill your desire, but he'll wait until you don't like it anymore and then fulfill it, which is his mercy. It's like, okay, I guess, I guess that's his mercy. Um, and 
this kind of relates to another question here about prayer, which I think can, I think this is a very real thing. This is from Madhuri Kadasi. She says here, and I had this on my questionnaire sheet also. What do you say to someone who has lost inspiration to pray due to never receiving any discernible response to prayer? Which is a question I have on my list here. Like, I, I, I don't know who has said, said this, but the saying goes that God always answers your prayers, but sometimes the answer is no. And I'm like, okay, but why always no? <laughs> In my experience, <laughs> like it's always a no for me. And so that, yeah, that can make one feel very disconnected from, again, that leads to the title of the question. Maybe I'll do it, but I won't do it heartfelt because I don't know if I'm getting any reciprocation. I don't know if I'm being heard. And, and so what is your wisdom to this sort of dilemma? The, the, the ominous thing, okay, I'll give it to you, but I'm going to do it in such a way, or I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait so long that you don't even like it anymore, or I'm going to just keep saying no so that you just, you know, <laughs> never have any of your things fulfilled. So it's just like, how am I supposed to be inspired by, by this? Of course, with the pure devotional thing hanging in your head, maybe it can be a little inspirational, but I think on a visceral level, it's not very inspirational. So what is your wisdom to this dilemma? It's so, so wonderful to speak to, to both of you. It is very enjoyable uh, uh, and inspirational. Um, yeah. uh, let me first of all um, say uh, Krishna does fulfill the uh, desires of his devotees, but he uh, often builds something into his presence which he gives. <laughs> that uh, something is uh, either purification or deeper insights and so on. This is what this verse uh, mm -hmm. from Bhagavatam says. Yes, he fulfills it, but in such a way that you at the end feel, well, yes, thank you, but I wish to move on in, in my life now. Um, so, but you haven't hit uh, on a very important point that is the silence of God. Mm -hmm. It's a huge, 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 huge subject. Um, that we approach him, we try to get uh, some kind of comf uh, comforting, reassuring uh, statement, sign even that we understand. But it seems the, the, the person on the address uh, is silent. He's uh, either not hearing, maybe he's too busy, or if he's hearing, he is not caring to answer. I have mm, something to, I want to bring you into a story which might help you. Remember, at the beginning of the creation, Brahma is surrounded by absolute darkness. There is nothing there. Uh, no forms, no sounds, nothing is there. The universe is still 
in a form which is not at all manifest the way we know it. So Brahma is in the midst of, a, of darkness. He does not know where should he go. He does not know what to do. He does not know what to think even. He is confused. Uh, and uh, then out of this darkness comes a sound, tapa, um, uh, which Brahma translates into, I should meditate now, I should sit down now, I should stop uh, effort, uh, endeavoring on my own, I should sit now. And as he meditates, and goes into deeper and deeper levels of awareness, he finally sees uh, the Lord uh, uh, as Govindam sitting on a lotus flower. And um, with that darshan, he gets also all the knowledge he needs. I feel when we turn to Krishna in prayer, we are not much different from Brahma in that initial phase. We are surrounded by darkness. We don't know really who we are. Uh, we don't know what makes sense to do in this world for me, uh, something I can put my whole heart behind. Um, and at that time, when there reigns confusion, I think we should going, we should stop going the wrong way, the way which is simply distracting us from finding out the way of the senses where I have some immediate gratification, but I don't solve any question. Mm. I'm just distracting myself. I'm just escaping my existential dilemma through just uh, putting, putting heaven and earth through my organic senses. No, mm. we should stop. Tapa. Uh, we should perform some thing that purifies our heart. Uh, tapa, of course, translates into austerities. Uh, um, we should say no to the wrong direction. How can you get something that is in the east by racing towards the west mm. all the time? You know, you have to uh, 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 disconnect a little bit from the world of illusion now and and uh, do tapa, for instance, sit down, uh, do some real prayers, do some uh, proper chanting where you hear the vibration of the names in your heart and the core of your being and let this purify you. And then usually all the good things start. Mm -hmm. Show me any person who has reached something wonderful in his life without stopping the old life first. Mm. Um, there is no such a person. When you're filled up to the brim with the old stuff, how will new things ever come? Um, throw the old stuff out of your room, make place for new furniture to come, <laughs> and life to come, and then it, it can go. So I sometimes think... Uh, 
Yes, there are these prayers. Oh, help me, my Lord. Oh, my friend has left me. Oh, my, uh, my, I have not enough to eat. My digestion is disturbed, um, and so on. That is all still in the confused state. Mm. Stop a little. Be peaceful. Be calm. Sit down. Uh, and then you will cross over a certain threshold. You will leave the land of confusion and come to some certitude, some security, some safety. And as you move on uh, that road, yes, you will feel love, you feel, feel devotion and everything. So the silence of God can be because you can't hear. Your mm -hmm. room is too full with the old stuff. Uh, maybe it's all around you, but you can't perceive it. Maybe the answer is all around you. Another thing, um, well, let me, let me end here. Maybe you want to, uh, you know, when one is so full with these lovely subjects, one can unfortunately transform into a disturbing avalanche. <laughs> I don't want to talk too long. <laughs> I've, I'm actually very interested to hear what more you have to say. I'm actually, I'm feeling myself very moved by this part of the discussion because, um, I mean, that language is very powerful, the silence of God. And I'm just liking this idea that maybe the silence is because we can't hear. And having this tapa, this idea of tapa, Brahma's story is an interesting way to frame it as a response to the silence. Like instead of just numbing myself to the existential malaise that is my experience on a day-to-day -day basis and stop, like just stop doing that. Stop numbing yourself and actually confront that inner void or that malaise, existential malaise and do some tapa, like go in the direction of purification. Mm. Cl clear the thing out of your house so you can get the new furniture so that the new ether can come in. So you can actually hear that sound of God. I'm just reflecting right now and I'm, I'm finding it to be very powerful and moving. Um, I, 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 I guess on a visceral level, I'm just trying to see myself in a situation where I'm just finding that very hard to do, you know, where Often my friends make fun of me just on one of our little threads. Some, a friend was making fun of me just yesterday about every time they ask me how I'm doing, my consistent answer is I'm suffering and, or it's existential dread. I use one of the two languages, you know, existential dread on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm just thinking of myself in that position. And it's just so much easier to just numb yourself to that experience by, you know, for our generation, Marj, you know, we have the YouTube and the and the the movie going and the social media. I mean, we have tons of things to numb ourselves. And mm. I'm so habituated to numbing myself to that experience that I don't know. I guess I find it very hard to just slow down and just move in the direction of tapa and, mm. and really try to hear God in prayer. Um, this, is, I, this is not really a question. I'm just sharing. I'm kind of being open right now, which is also very rare for me. But I'm being a little open about, I guess, what I go through. With yes. This thing. I, I wanna, I wanna add to this and extend it, and then, and then turn it into a question. Maraj is, is basically like, 
the reason why so this this podcast the honest man's podcast exists because men of our generation are weak (laughs) say it frank clearly We're, we're 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 weak and we're conditioned by so much comfort and convenience and like technological infiltration of the consciousness um and and that's that's the whole reason is why we're we're actually doing this is just to try and get ourselves and those who are here with us to 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 like just an actual like 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 sort of decent platform of self-discipline and and dharma and integrity that's that's kind of the thing which for our process of bhakti um seems it seems to be necessary that that's kind of the starting point you know that that you're like on a decent level of like self-discipline and whatever because you know marish as you were saying about tapa you know you were using this word it really stuck out to me this word perform you know perform austerity perform tapa which implies that it it doesn't come naturally it's not like you know you just like you know just step into the tapa it it you 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 really have to you really have to like and it's difficult and especially for those who are alone it's like if you don't have like the supportive community you're just by yourself like god you know it's it's hard so how to how to get there because it seems like this is the non-negotiable starting point is this like consistent mm-hmm. ability to accept difficulty uh and to take that upon yourself so what to do mars because we're weak yeah 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 Mm. I live here at the <laughs> bank of a lake. Um, we have this ashram, it's called Gora Bhavan. When I look out, I see a beautiful lake with swans and so on. Mm. But uh, uh, sometimes I feel this is too comfortable. I need to go to Berlin and preach. <laughs> <laughs> Berlin is about uh, 50 kilometers from here and um, you can go by a local train uh, which goes through the beautiful German countryside and then uh, brings you right into the heart of the beast. Berlin is a town, capital town of Germany. It's cooking with uh, ideas, with uh, a uh, mild version of New York. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, I have made one experience which I would like to, to, to bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, in the train, I have to decide, I will, I'm going to take the train which brings me there, and all I have to do is in the two minutes where the train is on the platform, I have to somehow bring myself into the thing <laughs> and then it will bring me to the desired destination. 
for me, this train, which brings me to the desired destination, is the Mahamantra, the holy name. Uh, it's the easiest way for even a weak person because nothing happens on your own strengths once you are you have entered the Mahamantra. Nothing. It is all by the power of the mantra that it happens. Uh, just uh, um, the only thing I have to take care of that I get into the train. Mm. I feel most of us who chant, except for few uh, rare occasions where this is not the case, we are not really entering the mantra. What happens is we are here and the mantra is <laughs> is outside of us. The train leaves without me. Uh, and I remain standing on the platform looking like a complete fool. <laughs> what has happened to our, our host? They have dived under the table. <laughs> My laugh is very loud, so sometimes I got to get out of the mic to laugh fully. <laughs> Good. Good. But this absorption into the mantra is really the secret. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur uh, talks about this. He says, there are only two things you need to take care of. One is that let the mantra vibrate in the core of your heart and be with that vibration in the core of the heart. The second is, wherever your mind goes uh, away, to material attachments mostly, bring it back uh, to the mantra. And if you have learned this, uh, my dear listeners, you will uh, leave your human weakness. You will come to another thing. The train has brought you away from the platform to the desired location, like in my train example. You just have to learn to chant with absorption. And that means you have to learn uh, to chant on the physical level. Uh, you know, we human beings have three uh, endowments. We have a body, we have a mind, and we have a, I mean, the heart here is a seat of emotions. Mm. So you have to align your body to the chanting, sit properly, pronounce the mantra properly here. You have to bring, align the mind to the chanting. Mm, that is, uh, uh, be absolutely present in the present moment now. Uh, that is what focus means. Absolutely present in the present moment. Past, nor in the future, but in the, this present moment. And then bring your, means some devotional feelings. They are within everyone. Yes, there is also, uh, um, hopefully, all a bit with us who becomes whole and smaller, smaller. Mm. And uh, mm, then 
Dr. Jekyll will grow, the, the spiritual side in us will grow. And uh, bring some, what do you have to say from your soul to Krishna? Please accept me, please. Uh, I have been very much absent from you, but now I'm turning to you. And my dear mm, listeners, first as, of, and foremost my hosts, because I can see you, but then all of you who listen, this works miracles. All of a sudden, tam, you are brought to another place. Not by your own power. If you have to make advancement on your own power, then yes, you have been very honest here, but yes, most of us will admit we are weak. Um, maybe we, for some time we can maintain something, but then it breaks down again. But it is not by your own power that this advancement which I'm now talking about takes place. It's by the Power of the mantra. Prabhupada used to give the example of a rod of iron. When it's placed into the fire, it becomes red, hot first, and then white, like fire. And uh, So in the same way, this chanting of the uh, holy name, with absorption, we all know chanting without absorption. No, <laughs> Too well. With absorption, that brings you. I have seen our host Jai Jagannath and Radhadesh Mellows, how he was chanting so absorbed, his eyes were closed. Then he got up, and um, anyone who has not yet seen Jai Jagannath dancing has missed um, a very aesthetic experience uh, in, in his uh, life. No? Then he was dancing. Very, very nicely. I think the whole universe could have been his dance platform. He was so enlivened and inspired and um, so much with it. Because, but not on, on our own strengths. It was the mantra which brought you to the beautiful place. Therefore, Prabhupada called it uh, our first and foremost prayer in this Hare Krishna mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Remember, prayer is a tool given to the human being that brings him to a place where most often he is denied access. Mm. Wow. Maharaj, you were talking about the avalanche, but basically you are just like, it's like an avalanche of like truth nuggets <laughs> that, are, that are just flowing and they are nectarian. <laughs> They're hitting us in the face and we're just like... <laughs> So more, 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 more. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you can recall just connecting. I think you had two points you were going to develop with the silence of God topic. And we, and you kind of paused to give us space to reflect and ask a question. But I think the way you were developing that this thing, if we just do these two things, let the mantra vibrate in the core of our heart and bring our mind back whenever it wanders, align ourselves to be absorbed in the present moment in a sense that is our performance of tapa which and that performance of tapa is the answer to the existential malaise that comes with being born in the darkness with nothing mm -hmm. around us and then that will allow us to progressively hear god um and i think you wanted to develop another point i don't know if you recall that other point but it might be a good transition point now yeah to hear that other idea 
Yes, yes. I uh, have actually um, something very important to share. Um, you pray. Prayer is often uh, considered to be an entirely passive uh, thing you, in, in the sense of that you go out of the world sit in your prayer seat do the prayer and stop engaging with the world I would like to uh, say that this may be the first step to, to step of the stage of the world where you perform in many roles uh, and to, to just maybe enter into the first row of the, in the theater, you know, and see yourself from a distance. Oh, I'm, it's interesting. I'm say, say, thinking this, I'm saying that, I'm acting that, but it's not me, it's just the role I perform. So step back and come and be real. Uh, be be your, yourself as an observer. Uh, but then, after having brought your, your point to the Lord, first pray, then an honest confession, and also then a request. The, I, I missed this. These are the three ingredients. Praise. To acknowledge the Lord, no? that this is the Lord. This is a, the Yoga Sutra say he is Purusha, but he is Vishesha Purusha, a very special person who does not experience the Klesha. So, you know, Avidya, the ignorance, uh, Asmita, the ego, nor no does he at, experience attachments or uh, revulsion from something. And um, um, he's never absorbed in material life so that he forgets himself. No, he's a Vishesha, a very special personality who has existed from time immemorial and who can be addressed by the individual Purusha who is overwhelmed by the sufferings of material existence, by the Kleshas. No? So, yes, what do you do? You uh, praise him. You become aware. This is the Supreme Lord. Then you make your confession. My situation is like this. And then you request. You can also request him from this mixed position. I know my requests are not so high at the moment, but if you could just uh, please uh, solve this miserable uh, condition so that I focus my mind more on you and I'm not so disturbed and so disturbing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so on. This is, after you have done this, now I want to introduce or suggest a very, very powerful step. Act. Go out of the theater where you have just observed yourself on the uh, on on the stage, so to say, 
go out and act with whatever insights you have. And very often you will get answers from the environment. Uh, God will speak through the mouth of devotees very often to you. Uh, the Lord will speak to you through the um, language of arrangements which he has made for you. Uh, this is, I think most of us remain too long on the passive seat uh, in prayer, hoping to somehow get it all and download it all. And when he, the Lord is not speaking or not making it so clear, Rums, then uh, 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 we, we lose faith. I would like to share with you uh, something uh, on this end. I'm doing every year, except for the last year, uh, a retreat in India. Only the last year I did a personal retreat here in Germany to the travel restraints. So, so I had this one, I, I'm, what do I do? I go to Vindavan, I find a good place where I'm not recognized as, as the preacher, which I am. Uh, I am Mr. Nobody, no one knows me, and I will, I will chant from morning till evening uh, and uh, mm, uh, very... Uh, secluded, uh, I do not see, I do not give lectures um, uh, any longer. I only give yeah, the short three-minute talk um, to keep in contact with the many people. Then I have a, you know, then they, then the con my service continues to them. But anyways, otherwise I am in total seclusion. That year, which I'm talking about to you now, I did also a monavrata. I did not speak any word except the mantra and prayers and read, uh, reading uh, the shastras, the, the Sanskrit verses. But I felt dry. Dry like in the... Uh, desert of Arizona, and the dryness came to me. I was the burning man, uh, and, uh, you know, was really so dry. Then I prayed to the Lord, please, my Lord, I'm addressing you. I'm doing this, ta this tapasya. I'm doing this only for you. Do you care? <laughs> if, if, if you care, then please give me a sign, but give me a sign that even Sachinandan Swami can now understand. Nothing too, uh, too abstract. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Then I was thinking, what do you expect? How do you, you're in this room and you, what, what do you want that the that ceiling caves in it, there's ohm on the ceiling. <laughs> or, or what is a sign that you could accept as a sign? Uh, I mean, should you do a step also towards uh, 
So I became active. What I did is I took a bicycle and I went to the side of Giriraj, who is known as the greatest of Krishna's devotees. And there is a huge history about Giriraj fulfilling the desires. My dear everyone, if you want a quick instant desire fulfillment, make a Govardhan Parikrama and pray. There is a book. Note it. Uh, uh, yeah, there is a book of this. What is it called? Loving Stones, it's called, from Professor David Haberman, a real nice person. Uh, he is a devotee also. Uh, Loving Stones. And he has one chapter where he has written down all from the many eyewitnesses that their desires were all fulfilled. It said, Giraj walks after you, behind you and listens. What is it that you ask? Um, for. Anyway, so I went to Giriraj, I chanted, and this idea came again. Oh, a sign, just one sign, please, a sign, a sign. You know, like um, Franciscus of Assisi would, would pray, show yourself to me, speak to me, speak to me. Like this, he would, would uh, address the, the Lord and the, on the top of the mountain, Monte Veritas, the mountain of truth, he would speak to me, speak to me. Uh, Leon has entered it. It was his servant who came with him. Mm. Uh, so I was a little bit remembering this, and then I continued to chant. I forgot it. All of a sudden, I hear the sound of screeching parrots, but it was so loud <laughs> and very close. And oh, it was thundering in my ears. And I, I looked, what, 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 what? And what I see is a black cobra coming towards me, but these screeching parrots, screeching, you understand? Screeching? Yes, yes. yes. Yes, they were flying like like bombers, you know, airplanes who carries bo carry bombs, in towards the eyes of the cobra. It doesn't the, the cobra feels through its belly, you know, but uh, but uh, it was nevertheless very irritated by the parrots just flying into the eyes and scratching and so on, and. The cobra was just very was slowed down by this. So I jump up and I run as fast as I can, and I look back from time to time, and <laughs> I this cobra uh, making. I, I hear this a, a disappointed hiss. <laughs> uh, around and went to. Giriraj, where it has a, they have their caves there or their, their places in the warm stone. And when the cobra turned away from me, then the parrots flew away. So I thought, well, my question was, do you care? I think the answer was given <laughs> for me. And, uh, 
parrots don't mess with cobras. Right. No one messes with cobras. Especially parrots keep to their own kind and they are shy, they're little, little in their own little world. They are like the elves of us, you know, they keep, keep their own life. But these uh, parrots were informed by someone who cared for me. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, who, uh, and my life was saved. So I, I gave this as an example is after you have prayed, please break your silence. Please do thing. Uh, don't just sit there arrogantly, you know, now come to me, move! <laughs> <laughs> you will see uh, that uh, often uh, things happen through in your environment where you know this was not an accidental occurrence. It was prearranged. It was arranged. And we all have maybe most of your answers look back where in, came to you in form of arrangements that happened. You met the right person who said the right thing to you. You, you came into a situation where you really understood, okay, I really got it now. Um, and you uh, received some lesson. Um, I think with the, your prayer, you are giving your answer, uh, and, and sorry, you're giving your request into the divine mailbox. And now uh, some patient is, is required until the return answer comes uh, to you. And it will often come uh, through arrangements. Mm. Of, please try it. Don't uh, just uh, hear this because you, you are a listener, a passive listener to the um, uh, Jai Jagannath podcast. Uh, no, uh, please do this and uh, pray, act, and look again. You will find something very good. Mm. Many times the answers come, and only if you look again, if you notice, oh, mm. uh, I have. I, have, so I yes, understand the Lord. You have to understand He is the one who accommodates many, many things, and mm. therefore you cannot be understood without a logic that has uh, can deal with paradoxes. Also, mm. answers will come very uh, enigmatically sometimes because His. Uh, uh, he is a special personality. Sorry. No, that was an amazing statement. I'm <laughs> writing it down. It cannot be understood without a, a logic that deals with paradoxes. That's an amazing yeah. phrase. And because um, of God being the special person that he is. I, I just wanted to come back just slightly, just because it's a personal dilemma. Um, when we're in that passive prayer region, um, you know, provided we get there to at least that state. <clears throat> and then, you know, you offer some praise and then confessions and, and requests. 
that confessions bit, you know, I think tied to the word confession is like, well, one thing that can be tied to it is embarrassment. And yeah, I think I, on a personal level, and I, I would suspect this could be feelings of other devotee practitioners, people in general, sometimes you're just embarrassed to say things, even out loud, even if it's just you in a room and no one else is around, and it's, maybe it's just you and God, you and the deity, or you're just in your room and it's just you and God, still, it's very hard to say certain things that you feel embarrassed about. And so, I don't know, in a sense, like when it comes to that confession bit of offering prayers, I do find it hard for certain things that, I think I said this once to a friend that I think I'm afraid to acknowledge what I need, like on a human level. I think I'm afraid to acknowledge that. I think in certain ways I get embarrassed by that. And therefore, even when I approach the deity, I, because of the, the sort of the depth of the embarrassment, I can't make that confession. Even though the Lord knows what's in your heart, but I still, I have a sense that I still have to make that confession, you know, like put it into language, whether it stays within me or it comes out, but it has to be like put into something more concrete and offered to the Lord. Here is my confession. But when it's like very embarrassing, for whatever reasons it's embarrassing, it's hard to make that confession, even to God himself, even though you know he knows it. And yeah, I guess I'm looking for wisdom around that because I do get afraid, like coming back to your first point, just being real. And a lot of areas, I think I'm really good at being real. And in some ways it's been a problem. <laughs> in other ways, I like it as an attribute. But there are certain areas where it's really hard to be real with myself. Yeah. And it's just some things are just like too embarrassing. And I can't even confess it to God. Like even I'm alone, no one else is going to know. And yeah, I don't know how what what to do with that that bit that's coming up for me because it's a it's I think it's a personal dilemma. Thank you very 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 much for being so open and in a way vulnerable in uh, this program. But then we can talk about the real things. I I think. Uh, even from the prayers of the great Acharyas there, we know when I come before you and I have to confess, then I'm just embarrassed. There is a, a to, to say this. Uh, I would like to approach your question um, from two ways. See, we find this general problem with even friends, close friends, that we have difficulties to be absolutely real before them. In, in Krishna Leela, there is this uh, part where the gopis are absolutely uncovered before the Lord. Mm. They come out of the um, Yamuna water and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur comments, he says, this represents that the soul has to come naked before the Lord. Naked means uncovered. Mm. Now, many 
of us don't have this experience of being confident enough to be totally uncovered. Uh, we feel if the other only would know, maybe he will not like me any longer. Um, so better I maintain some little, little veil before me. Um, and uh, this uh, uh, true love means there is no hiding. There, but have we found a person we can truly love like that without any need to hide even the tiniest veil? Most of us don't have yet, uh, we are still looking for that person to find. Mm. Maybe it is, I, I, I do not know. I have one friend uh, and he once said to me, Sachinanda Swami, friendship means you don't always have to be good. You can be the way you are. Sometimes we think by pretending to be uh, like the other person expects us to be, we win their appreciation. But really, a real friend always wants to see you the way you are. Wants to, he's interested in the way you are. And it doesn't have to come out like an avalanche. <laughs> and then you blow the poor guy away. <laughs> it uh, can, uh, you can uh, be honest and open and frank. And I think with your uh, podcast, you are helping your audience to, to sh show them what that might mean. And then they can explore it in their own way, in their own discussions. Uh, but see, although it may be difficult to find a person like this in this world, uh, one thing you must know is that Krishna anyways already knows. I had this one situation. Maybe I'm thinking five years ago, I was in Mayapur and uh, uh, you know, there was a kirtan mela and, and things. I, I was there as a, as a servant, uh, you know, doing various programs. And then I came to this beautiful darshan of Lord Nasinghadev. And I thought, well, now I'm going to pray. <laughs> I'm really going to be just like, like I, I am. Uh, and I prayed something which was a little bit too high, uh, you know. And when I was praying like this, all of a sudden, the, what is it? Uh, the, there are snake hoots, you know, maybe five or, 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 or 10 or 15 Ananda, heads of Ananda Shesha and started to move. And I thought, uh, well, the Lord laughs at me uh, that I'm asking something that is too high where I'm not really, 
I still need to do a little homework before I can come to that. Uh, so um, I thought like this. And, and then afterwards, I went to the devotees and said, did you also see the lords, the hoots uh, uh, moving? I, I, I carefully asked uh, a Bengali devotee, you know, and he said, Maraji, electric motor, electric motor. <laughs> there was an electric motor doing this. It, it was not that the Lord had laughed about me. It's just the electric motor for, for, for darshan effects. Maybe the Bengalis are more faithful afterwards when they see this. <laughs> you know, it was moving the hoods. Still, um, although... I had to acknowledge it was not a miracle, but it was an electric motor effect. <laughs> uh, uh, still, I thought the Lord always knows. Uh, uh, so mm, he will laugh at you when you, not laugh, but he will say, why, why does he have to be so, uh, let us say, why is he hiding so much? Now with confession, it's a strong word. I, I acknowledge that. Uh, maybe we should replace it. It doesn't always have to be such a soul-digging experience, the, the prayer. Just, just telling what's going on, you know, what's mm -hmm. in the moment. What is your concern? What brings you here? Now, while we are talking, I have to secretly look here at the um, at the ah, we still have a little Time. I was very careful. Maybe Karuna Avatar, you can look at the uh, at the time. I have maximum 20 more minutes and I need to rush. I have something, it's called Compassion Tuesday. Yes, Compassion Meditations. So, so you, sure. maybe a few minutes before, you can just, because Jai Jagannath and myself might get into a, 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 a very... Uh, engaging subject matter, and we forget the time. Mm -hmm. Good. Sure. Yes, that is uh, uh, my answer to this uh, question, uh, confession and being embarrassed. You do need to have relationships where you're not embarrassed. Then it's a real friendship. Uh, uh, friendships are not the likes on Facebook, just to, to tell to the young generation, they don't mean so much in terms of action mm. uh, and so on. Uh, friendships are uh, happening when you can be the person you really are. And, uh, and don't, don't immediately bring everything forward, but let it come out in, in little drops, you know, so that... Uh, uh, the per uh, you can see how far you uh, can go. After all, you don't want to overburden the other person with something he is uh, or she is not prepared to, to deal with. Many people don't also like to go to that depth. Mm, uh, they, they, they're not accustomed. They are afraid, actually, to enter the depths. So why should you um, uh, terrify them? Uh, but for 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 uh, for dealing with Krishna, uh, he you should know he's already. He knows you. He has been before you even 
He has been with you even before this life. Such a friend. He has been with you from the beginning when you took your birth, when you even before that, when you were in the womb over the mother. It said a friend goes with you even when the whole country is against you. He is still with you. He goes with you into the court when you are judged. Uh, he even will go with you when your body is carried to the funeral pyre. He will be there next to the stretcher. Um, uh, that, now Krishna does all these things. He was always there before, during, and he will be there uh, when you breathe your last in this body. Um, I want to say personally, I'm very impacted by this podcast in a, a lot of different ways. And um, I think as an action item for me on a personal level, and I guess mm -hmm. I'm saying this to you, and I'm also saying it to myself, but just taking shelter of the Maha Mantra specifically to shake off some of this human frailty, you know, just mm -hmm. put, just get myself on the train, you know, mm -hmm. sit down, chant the Maha Mantra, the mind wanders, just bring it back to the mantra, stay in the present, you know, do your practice if it's an hour, if it's two hours, but sit and do it nicely and shake off this, keep yourself on the train. I'm really, I don't know, that's speaking to me a lot right now. I mean, all these things are speaking to me a lot. I'm actually feeling emotional, which is very rare. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't get a lot of days like this where I feel impacted emotionally, but um, that's kind of what I'm taking from this yeah. conversation. I want to, I'm deeply impacted, Marish, from yeah. what you're sharing. I fully, I fully, fully echo what Jai has said. This has certainly been the most absorbing experience in the present moment that I've had so far on Arise. You, Marish, you've just, yeah. I'm deeply grateful. I just want to acknowledge one one question, one comment here by a dear friend of ours, Balaram Prabhu. He said the following, thank you for all the incredible insights thus far, dear Sachinandan Maharaj. I guess my burning awareness or question is, when conscious, I think we can definitely experience Krishna's constant protection. He's always fed and clothed us, put a roof over our heads, cured us from disease and fulfilled our deepest desires. Why then? Do we still not have faith in Krishna? Even though we've experienced the joy of chanting and praying, why do we still turn towards our vices or Maya more than we do towards Krishna? Yes, we have to come to terms with our... Uh, how to deal with that Mr. Hyde inside. Uh, and this is, you know, the Bhagavatam, why is it glorified so much over all other scriptures? Because it has in it, in the sixth canto, strategically placed a typical divided soul story, uh, the story of Vritasura who was uh, in the body of a demon and acting like this. He, he engaged in warfare, I mean, deadly combat with the uh, devatas. He trampled down on 
on them. He jumped on them um, uh, like the analogy Shukadev Goswami uses, like you, you tremble on reeds, you know. <laughs> he was all distraction and so on. And, uh, and that is a part in, 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 in us. And he, uh, he has been, uh, in the Matsya Purana, it says the Bhagavatam is the Bhagavatam because it contains this story. And it is here in this Bhagavatam, in this story, that you find the most amazing prayer that can set you on the path of, 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 of the spirit path, if you do it. Mm. Uh, it, is, uh, it helps you to deal with your humanness. It helps you to deal with things like longing uh, uh, to get out of the humanness. And since we talk about prayers, uh, if you allow me, um, I, I could go briefly through the four prayers of Viritasura, uh, which are just just amazing. Uh, Shila, uh, no, no, our Giriach Maharaj said that he had once been uh, meeting a very pious businessman in Mumbai, and he was a follower of Vallabhacharya, and he said that according to Vallabhacharya, there are four verses in the Bhagavatam, which are considered by them the best of prayers. Uh, these were the four verses of mm, the sick, in the sixth canto where Virita Sura prays to his Lord, although he is in the body of a demon, although he had just engaged in deadly combat with, with Indra, for whom Krishna always appears, Etichangsa Kala Pungsa, you know, he Indrari Vyakulam, he Krishna defeats the enemies of Indra. That is in the in the key verse to the Bhagavatam is an identification identification of Krishna. He comes and defeats the enemies of the Suras, the saintly people who are led by. Uh, by by Indra, um, so on that level, on, on the universal level. So, so here is Vritasura, who is has a huge, tall demon body, who is roaring with a roar that everyone just falls down. It's such a loud sound, you know, uh, and who engages in in combat with, with him. And he sees uh, that uh, Indra is not able to defeat him, nor will he do it. So he thinks, uh, mm, what will I say to this rascal Indra who sees everything materially? I will now turn to the Lord and make my personal request um, uh, to him. And what did he say? Aham harita vapadai kamula dasanudaso bavitas mibuya manas marita su patergunangste 
Grinitavakamakadotukaya. Oh my Lord. Oh Supreme Personality of Godhead. Will I again be able to be a servant of your eternal servants who find shelter only at your lotus feet? O oh Lord of my life, may I again become their servant so that my mind may always think of your transcendental attributes, my words. Always glorify those attributes and my body always engage in the loving service of your lotus feet. So Giriraj Maharaj is talking to this pious businessman and hearing this amazing prayer and thinks, wow, I got to ask Prabhupada about this. And he uh, it comes back to uh, the, the temple and he shoots up the stairs and goes to Prabhupada and says, I met this man. He told me in their line, this is the essence of, of prayer where Vritasura stops battling and turn with Indra and turns to to the Lord and ask, when will my mind think of you? When will my words glorify you? Uh, and will, when will my hands uh, be, uh, engage in your service? And Prabhupada tells him, take down the sixth canter. So he, Giyaj Maharaj goes to the bookshelf, takes the sixth canter out, opens uh, the sixth canter at this place, Prabhupada says, read the translation. He reads the same translation. May my mind remember you, Lord of my life. May my words sing your qualities. May my body engage in your service like massaging your lotus feet and give you a betel nut. He reads this and then he comes to the purport which Prabhupada has written. And the purport opens with this line. This verse gives the sum and substance of devotional life. One must first become a servant of the servant of the Lord. And then the verse goes through beautiful emotions. It, uh, Krishna uh, may test Vritasura and said, I can give you everything else. Why, why such high devotional ideals? Uh, but he says, I don't want to enjoy Dhruva Loka. I don't want to enjoy the heavens. Um, and, and then it has such nice prayers. My dear everyone, uh, maybe Ka uh, our Karuna can put this in for you. I beg you, read these verses. There are only four verses. You, you can find it on your mobile telephone. Uh, it is... Uh, 6 Canto, chapter 11, verses 24 to 27, um, where at the end he says, as baby birds who have not yet developed their wings to fly are waiting in their nest for the mother to come, to feed them. I'm waiting for you. Then he says, oh no, this is not a good comparison. 
<laughs> I need a better one. Uh, as the calf, at the time of milking, anxiously pulls at the rope uh, because it wants to go to the cow and drink. I'm, I'm waiting for you. And he thinks, oh. this is also not yet so perfect, this analogy, because both of them want something. I want to, I, I feel more love towards you. Towards you. Then he says, yes, like the chaste wife stays at home, waiting for a husband who has gone far into the uh, distant country to return. I'm waiting for you so that I can satisfy you like the wife who wants to serve her husband in all aspects. Here, something, please eat this. This is a good preparation. I've made a good warm water in the shower. You can shower and, and even give him pleasures uh, like uh, it's between husband and wife. Uh, so, so that type of uh, uh, prayer is there. And it was said uh, by a person who in his previous life was a devotee, but then was cursed uh, to be a demon in, in the present life. And he, uh, he accesses this deeper, deepest side in him. And it comes out like the lava from the inside of the, of, of a, what is it, the, 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 the crater, the, the, the mountain, you know. There's such a devotional lava. You must read this and enter the spirit of this uh, uh, prayer. And then you will see, yes, just like Ritasura has two sides. You may have two sides. But don't forget, there is the spiritual side. And Balaram, coming back to your question, by nourishing that spiritual side, it will become stronger. Many devotees, many friends, many spiritual practitioners, they focus on what does not work <laughs> and, and make that stronger. Why not uh, focus on what works? We have yeah. become attracted to this path. There is something good in us, some re ability to, re to, to, some resonance is there in, in us to spiritual subjects. Why not focus on that and make, and because on whatever it is that you focus, that becomes stronger. And I sure. think in prayer, we focus on this spiritual part, which is good in us. We want to move in with that spiritual part to the Lord, and then it will become very strong. Maharaj, thank you so, so, so much for the sake of your own time and to respect that. I must stop you now, unfortunately. <laughs> There's only minutes until your next engagement. We are deeply touched, and I think that we can speak for everyone. Marani is saying thank you a dozen times. Balaram is super grateful. Anthony says we love you so much, Maharaj. Thank you deeply from everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much, Maharaj. Thank you. Jai. Um, everyone, we're going to end the broadcast now. Our details are at the bottom. You must have seen by now. And uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you shortly again. Hare. 
Krishna. Hey. All the best.